Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Scottish Indie Podcast. Tonight I've actually got the busiest podcast I've done so far, as I've got three members of Monza Express on tonight. I've got Fraser, I've got Chris, and I've also got Sean. Guys, welcome along. How you doing? How you doing? Well, I'm absolutely delighted to have you. I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, hopefully we'll not all talk over each other and it'll be, it'll be fine. Uh, but I'm certainly not complaining about how many I've got of you tonight. I'll start with the kind of standard generic questions. I'm not going to ask how the pandemic's been treating you, but as life is beginning to get slightly back to normal, how's things been? How's your families? And is it nice to have that wee bit of, of normality back to life? Yeah, I mean, it's nice that things are slowly opening up again and things are getting normal, as you say, and we've been able to get back to jamming, which has been great. That's something I've really missed for ages, being locked in the house with wife and kids for the best part of a year, getting back to doing my own thing a bit. But yeah, I mean, from a personal point of view, it's not affected anyone in my family or close friends groups, so can't really ask for much more than that. And it's just nice, like you say, to be able to say we're almost there, we've survived, you know? Yeah, that, that, that's absolutely it. In, the, in terms of the band, was it basically a, a year off in terms of, of seeing each other and being able to, to get into the studio or get into practice? Yeah, it was probably. We we might, when, when things started easing off a wee bit earlier on, before we went into full lockdown again, we, we managed to get myself and Fraser and Chris head over to my house to try and get some jamming done but we didn't do it for very for very long but oh, it was good it was better than nothing I guess yeah as I say it was good it was a nice little change to be able to do that even when it was just the three of us sat in one of Sean's little barn things he's got uh, just for the sake of seeing someone else other than who you were living with you know um, but it was I suppose it was kind of productive, but we could have done with a bit more. But it was better than a lot of people managed. And this podcast has been set up as a as an introduction to to bands that people may or may not have heard of. For those that haven't heard the Monza Express, can you tell us about about how you came about uh, and also try and describe your sound for me, please? I think what happened. Well, the main thing was. A couple of years ago, me and the drummer Deco were in another band and that split up the two of the other guys, got jobs further afield than Aberdeen. So after they went, just sat around for a little bit and then decided I'm bored. I want to do something. I want to keep jamming, if nothing else. So I ended up speaking to Deco and said, will we get musical vision where we practice in Aberdeen and just have a jam? We'll invite a couple of other people along. And then over the weeks, I already knew Chris for for a few years and knew he liked making tunes. And I was working with Sean and knew he used to be in a band. And our bass player, Greg, I was in a band with him even further back. So we just eventually started getting together, doing that, playing Beatles and Oasis tunes. And then it went from there to playing tunes we'd all done in previous bands. And then we started writing our own stuff. So... I don't know what other people would say, but I tend to describe us as indie indie pop and roll. <laughs> I like it. In, in terms of starting out, the band played a lot of gigs in your home city. How would you describe these initial gigs? They normally tend to be a, a bit of a, a ramshackle, but a really exciting 
time for a band to to put themselves out there and see how the the songs go down. Yeah, I think the first few gigs were exciting, especially the very first one we did, because I think a lot of people that we all work with, and, and I think they all thought we were just taking the piss, saying we were in a band. So it was, I was, I was even tempted to not do anything and just pretend we couldn't play for the first song, but the we had a decent turnout for that, and then slowly started playing more gigs. I, I still kind of think we're still at that ramshackle stage of when we play gigs. There's a bit of incoherence to it. We we don't always look like that we're fully formed and everything, but we seem to pull it together pretty well when we're on the stage. The after the the initial gigs that was followed by the release of Sunshine and that released, uh, received rather a, a great deal of acclaim and see, even from the first time I've heard the song for some reason all that goes through my head is Weezer and I was listening to it before we started tonight again and it's not Weezer but I can't put my finger on what it reminds me of it's I find it very hard to to explain it other though than a, a cracking upbeat pop song it's a it's a sing-along it's it's just very, very happy. Would you kind of go along with that, Sean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, um, to Deco's disgust, if I remember rightly, I think uh, someone did kind of say it sounded a bit like Blink-182. Is that right, Fraser? But um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a cracking tune. It was well-received. And yeah, it's one of, uh, it's certainly one of my favourites to play. Um, no, I think it's a good one. And how is it? exciting is it when you put out that initial song Chris that people take to it and they take to the band is, is that does that come as a, a surprise is it a nervous process where you're you're kind of putting your first steps out there to to recorded stuff I think we were just really excited to just get something out so that you know people who are coming to the gigs you know could at least sing along to one song and I mean I think we did a gig just a week or two after releasing it and everyone was singing along especially the yo-ho-ho and a bottle of rum but in the chorus and you know phones were coming out to film for that song and it I think we played it twice didn't we I think we played it near the start and we played it near the end and it was just kind of like as if people were coming along just to see that song um but then obviously they heard everything else and they were like oh fair dues pretty good so it was a really good feeling releasing it because you just knew you know you were on you were on to something and you were just starting out it was great and then after that, it was in the city, and it's very noticeable that you turned yourselves all into animated figures rather than continuing on from your acting debut in the first video. How was that process? And in terms of what was was there any kind of reason behind the more animated side of the the video? Yeah, the, it was. We couldn't really decide what we were going to do for a video. We kept having discussions and. As usual, it's like herding cats trying to get everyone in one place at one time. And I just took it off my own back pretty much. It was I think I was working at the weekend or supposed to be. And went on to Fiverr and just looked at animated videos and then got some guy in Pakistan or something to do it for not very much money at all. It was a case of send him the song, send him the lyrics and a few pictures and he'd put it all together from there. And he did it, and everybody loved it. <laughs> um, it went down a storm with people having thought it was such a great idea to get it done that way. And Deco, who's just joined the call, I've noticed he actually wanted to 
he was of the opinion we should continue on as a cartoon band, but I don't think the guy had that many different animations to make that sustainable. It looks absolutely incredible, though. It's it's really really high quality in, in its production, and it it adds a lot to the song, in my opinion as well. It's 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 a really good visual. Yeah, it's really the, the guy did a really good job of it. Um, and I think one of the things we're going to have to look at at some point in the future is using those little animated figures as on some kind of merch and everything. I think people would love it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and last year, it was a, a fair bit of a shit show, let's be honest. But in, in terms of as a year for the band, it, it seemed to be very successful. The, the single Crying in the Radio was released around about this time last year, if I recall rightly. And... This time you featured in the video, there was no more cartoons, but released in the, the midst of lockdown, again, is that a bit of a leap of faith that you've been off the scene for a couple of months, things are, are quiet, there's there's possibly a bit more attention and focus on music because people are stuck in the house with nothing to do, but you're not able to, to really stamp your authority on it by playing it live or anything like that. Was that a, a bit of a daunting prospect? Um, I don't think so. We'd, we'd recorded it just before Christmas and it took a while to make the master just get the sound right. And then when it was right, we just wanted everyone to hear it. We didn't want to sit on it and wait, you know, to release it a year later because, you know, when you hear bands and they're like, oh, we just want to release this to, you know, get on to the next thing. It, it was kind of, if we held on to it, it just felt like we wouldn't be productive with anything new. So by releasing it, it, it was kind of like, that's brilliant, that's done. You know, we can, you know, start recording new things and write new songs. Um, and then I think it was Sean who had the idea for that video. Um, and once we had the idea for the video, we just had to go for it, basically, and just get it released. And um, I think it did really well. The, the downside doing it that way, though, would have definitely been we missed out on kind of like a live launch or playing it live and not touring it, you know, but showcasing it at these events. That was definitely the, the, the downside. Um, but yeah, absolutely, we, we definitely felt like we just had to get something out and what we had um, and go for it. We all had an appetite to, to still be involved in the scene and, and, and play our part and kind of keeping the, I suppose, indie music scene alive. And I suppose that's definitely one of the, the highlights of releasing this way is that uh, our online networks are now uh, really strong. Um, I think there's people all over Britain and the world that have heard that song now that might not have before um, as well. So it's definitely helped us how we market ourselves moving forward as well, I think, to reach a wider audience. It's really interesting you say that because, of course, it's, it's very costly to to promote your work or have someone else promote your work for you. So is, is this situation and the, the pandemic put an emphasis on the onus in you guys to be able to promote the band by engaging with fans or prospective fans and social media and such like and and really be your own biggest fans when it comes to pushing out your material yeah it's definitely been a diy kind of year for it. um just constantly on twitter following other bands speaking to people who do the online radio stations and everything just i mean obviously the scene on twitter anyway over the last year has just completely blossomed because there's so many bands with, like us, they had something recorded ready to go out, and it was 
do we sit on it or do we put it out? And everybody was putting stuff out. I mean, the quality of the things going out over the last year has been brilliant. And with everyone being stuck home and the big major acts not doing as much, it's provided the platform for everyone to listen to these things. So it's been great. I mean, obviously you've got to try and big yourself up at the same time, but it's great just being able to speak to other bands and everyone's been helping each other out and just pulling together, really. It's been quite a, yeah. quite a year for it. No, Fraser's bang on, actually, because we've, we've kind of built up a, a decent enough relationship with some local bands. Um, and uh, we, we do we try and do our bit to uh, promote their new stuff or or even existing stuff and you know the, they, they do the same back which is good and i guess we we managed to get i think it was crying on the radio yeah we managed to get crying on the radio on an album brits and pieces which uh that was re- received quite well as well so yeah, yeah i suppose yeah that everyone talks about the you know 2020 being a rubbish year but that was the year one of our songs reached number 44 in the album charts you know so it's always going to be a good year for us I think looking back on that, when that's kind of, you know, quite an exciting thing to say. I think I was really proud of that. Uh, being involved in that compilation CD was was amazing. I'll, I'll get into that in a, a wee bit more detail, just a, in a few questions time. But you you mentioned the the kind of camaraderie between bands just now, and I think that's a noticeable difference, and it's something I've discussed in quite a few episodes of the podcast so far. Whereas even looking back five ten years ago. Bands would do interviews and there was loads of side swipes and kind of nastiness involved, whereas it now seems to be everyone doing their best and their utmost to give other bands a wee foot up and, and just a wee bit of a helping hand. And it seems to work a hell of a lot better. You're all doing the same thing, so surely it makes a bit of sense to to try and build a bit of community spirit and and push on in the right direction rather than seeing enemies out of other bands um it's not it's not really about making headlines and being an arsehole basically it's just it's just supporting people that are doing the same things and going through the same struggles at the same time yeah no i totally agree and from well fraser a lot of the the social media promotion for our side but i suppose from for me looking at it we're slightly a bit older now as well and maybe the the teenage angst that we had we were 18 19 might have gone but i think in the last year we've kind of seen the you know, there's been a lot of different campaigns around kind of, you know, streaming sites, how artists are paid. You know, Bandcamp's been quite prominent in the last 12 months for me anyway and, and how we get a fairer split for our artists. You know, we're, we're living off the back of a pandemic and, you know, not getting political as well, but, you know, the height of austerity and stuff. I think a lot of artists are kind of seeing that, you know, we are in it together to kind of help help people as well as each other. And, you know, the the any side swipe shouldn't be coming to each other, but it should be looking at the people that are maybe causing some of the issues we've got in the world at the minute, you know, so that's how I see anyway. I think there's much more important things to get angry and sideswipe about than there is other bands. And um, yeah, I think it's important music for me growing up in the 90s, you know, that that whole kind of, you know, Britpop wave that I remember anyway was kind of traumatising, um, you know, the overthrowing of the, the Conservative government was huge. And I think music's got a big part to play coming up in the next 10, 20 years to, to do some more of that as well, to be honest with you. I think back well when we were first in bands 
quite a while ago. We'll, we'll say that much. Um, like even in Aberdeen in the scene, there was a lot of side swiping and a lot of backstabbing and very cliquey at the time. But it's a lot better now. It's a massive improvement. You notice it when you're at gigs. You'll see folk from loads of different bands out to watch, and everybody's, like say, everybody's pulling for each other trying to just raise the whole scene as opposed to just get their own head above the parapet. It's nice seeing other people being successful as well. It's, there's, it's quite a Scottish thing that we're, we're quite down on people having success. We don't like it or people being ambitious is, is kind of looked down upon as well. And Why shouldn't people have aspirations and goals and, and go out and try and achieve them? It's We've got... Two Scottish bands already this year achieving a, a number one album. It's, mm. it's been a sensational start of 2021. And there's so much emerging talent. There's so much existing talent. And if if we're all kind of pushing in the same direction, particularly at a time where Touchwood, there's only two or three months before live music returns in a, in a fairly prominent scale, the hunger for live music is going to be so vast. It's, it's going to be a great time and an exciting time for the industry. The, the yeah, last I, thing in our minds should be fighting each to, other. Yeah, exactly. I can't wait just to go to gigs, never mind playing them. I've got a few t- tickets for a few different shows in Aberdeen. Um, and yeah, I just want to go see them. It's like the Capolo, Capolos, they announced their tour. And I spoke to the lead singer from them, Kyle, and mentioned about put our name in for our support. And he got back to me saying, oh, I think we've decided the support already. Um, but we'll let you know. I said, don't worry about it. I'm coming to see you guys anyway. I mean, it'd be a bonus to play. But if not, I'm still coming along. I'm buzzing for it. No, and they're, they're another band from Aberdeen doing, doing really great things. We mentioned social media, and it, it can be a pretty angry place at times. But... I guess when you're not getting the opportunity to engage with fans at gigs, it's a place where you've got to to demonstrate a bit of your personalities as well. And I've seen Fraser that uh, you've raised funds recently for a an autism awareness charity. Uh, there's there's quite a lot on your your Twitter page as well about raising awareness of, of mental health issues and people struggling with with mental health issues. How how important is it to to demonstrate that that side of your your characters that and I, I'm not saying the human side that's that sounds a bit silly but in terms of it's just more than being a member of a band you're you're showing a bit more of yourself that way. Well, that's it. I mean, I don't I don't want to be someone who's just constantly posting about one thing, whether it's posting about my band or posting about what I've had for dinner. <laughs> What, what run I've went for or anything like that. I'm just, I like to let, remind people that social media is just somewhere where you can be yourself. If I want to post about my football team, I will. If I want to raise money for something, I will. I mean, I, I'm a husband, a dad, a mortgage payer. I, I'm like a lot of people. I want to make sure that that comes across. I'm not... There's no ego in this band, which is a good thing, I think. We're, we're all pretty grounded. We know that we're all pushing on a bit as far as people in bands go, and we're just having a good time, you know? We're not, we've, we've got no grand dreams of platinum albums and Grammy Awards and things like that. We just want to have fun doing what we're doing, you know? 
perfectly acceptable kind of aim and aspiration to have as a as a band getting together with your mates and and recording music there's it's a it's a fantastic thing to do and the, the fact that it brings happiness to other people though despite the fact that you you perhaps don't have the lofty ambitions that, that some bands may have that must be a very pleasing element of, of playing music with your pals yeah, um, absolutely. And I think that's reflecting as well. I think when I was, you know, when you're younger as well, you maybe don't quite enjoy the the live shows or releasing singles or EPs or ever as much because you're so worried about what people think, you know, or how it will look to other people, you know. But I definitely um, agree. You know, if we can just go out there and, and be ourselves and have lots of fun and be the group of five of us, you know, good friends, practice a week, go for a good gig, support other young bands, get in there and, and show a bit of ourselves to the world, then. Um, I think we've done a pretty good job, um, you know. So no, I totally, totally agree with that. I mentioned the the bits and pieces compilation album a little bit earlier on there, and that entered the the UK charts at the end of last year, and being paired with with forty nine other bands on that compilation album, that gives you a great opportunity to be heard by a. A wider audience as well. How did that come about? The Brits and Pieces Twitter account, the guy Mark, someone had forwarded them on crying on the radio because people had got into the habit of sending in new tunes because that's what he was wanting to move on to because he'd originally just posted about 90s Britpop. And when he heard it, he dropped us a message saying he really liked it and mentioned he was thinking about putting together a compilation album last if we'd be interested. So I'm like, yeah, fire on. We're more than happy for that. So it just sprang from there and then eventually he announced who was all on it. And thanks to I don't know if you're familiar with the DP Happy Hour on Twitter with Dan Potter. He does he was doing playlists of unsigned bands. And there was a few bands there I'd heard through that but we're on Brits and Pieces so I was like oh great they're on it as well and <clears throat> there was a chat group for all the bands to speak and everybody was getting on great and everyone was just doing everything they could to promote this album and get out there and see how well it could do and it, it was a great privilege for us to be part of that like say we're a bit older and figure well, it's probably a young person's game <laughs> so to be part of that and be included and treated as equals as well by everybody it even turned out we weren't the oldest band which was a great thrill but well we're not yeah. no we weren't but just Delighted. treated as equals by everybody on it and everyone was so keen to, for it to do well and for it to do what it did in the run-up to christmas when everybody's buying above a certain age is buying compilation CDs for people. It was, it was something special. Well, you put it, it's something you mentioned there. That there's, there's been quite a few things that have been brought up in the podcast in terms of I had Maya Hurley on at the start of, of the week there. And at, at 14, she's had phenomenal success. Uh, she comes from just outside Motherwell along with Connor Fife, who's popping up in a lot of festival bills just now. Uh, they both achieved a hell of a lot at a very young age, but she was saying that she feels that sometimes, look at it, at 14, there's a perception of, of 
what type of artist she should be and it's it's maybe that kind of Americanized stereotype of packaged up teen stars uh, if you will and that that are all manufactured and almost built factory built to be platinum selling artists across the globe and then I've had bands like Sylveon who mentioned that they're very frustrated by the the lack of female representation on quite a lot of festival lineups and, and things like that. And now you're you're mentioning the fact that you're you're an older band. Do you feel that that sometimes works against you when it comes to the selection process for these lineups? Because there, there does seem to be a very typecast lineup and a look about a number of the the UK festivals across this summer. And you go Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if it goes against us as such. I, I don't know how far deep these people delve into these things when they're doing their selections. Um, I'm not even going to pretend I know how that works. Yeah. I, like, I like to think it wouldn't make a big difference. I mean, I'd like to think when you're sending in demos, they listen to it and they say, oh, they're good or they're, that could be improved upon. Um I'm, I'm sure there's some people probably think when they see pictures of us or they see us on stage, think this is all Manny's doing. Well, um, what, but, what, is, what is that average age for us? I have no idea. Chris so. bumps it up way up. <laughs> 35 probably, do you think? Right. You and Deck are 30-ish. Probably around 35. Maybe, maybe slightly up in the 30s, but not much. We're still in our 30s averagely. Yeah. Is, um, I'm 34. I would say we're all round about our prime then. So there's there's no strangers here. We're all we're all, we're exactly. all at our very best right now. All in our prime. <laughs> there is um I don't know. I spoke about this with sort of, I think Fraser as well. You know, my my job's a I work with with young people. You know, and there is sometimes I think there's a you know a big gig coming up that I'd like to give young bands the opportunity you know, ahead of us sometimes, you know, because I do think sometimes young bands, and especially, you know, female artists, dudes definitely seem a bit more underrepresented at, at bigger gigs, but, um, but yeah, that's just a wee, sometimes a moral dilemma that, that, that I battle with personally, um, you know, and when, you know, because I remember being a young 17, 18-year-old boy, and if I looked up at a gig, a touring band, and it was a band of guys in their 30s and 40s got a support slot, I'd be a bit annoyed, you know, um, as well, but I don't think we ever feel that. Um, but we're definitely aware of it, I suppose, sometimes, that we can't be commit as much, um, you know, or be as flexible sometimes with gigs, and we need to be careful with that, but um, there's definitely other demographics probably more marginalised than we are, um, I'd probably say. Oh, definitely. I think the female-fronted bands, there's a few in Aberdeen, but it's not a massive amount, but the ones we have seen do seem to do quite well, so that's always a good thing to see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it, I think it's a it's certainly a big talking point just now. And then there'll be a a festival comes along that will really back up the the argument. And and there is there's a raft of female artists and female bands that are just absolutely smashing it out of the park just now. And for them not to get any recognition. And risk almost putting down their instruments and just turning their back on it because they're not being given the opportunities that bands of a similar calibre, perhaps of a lesser quality, uh, are getting 
just down to gender, um, it's, it's, a, it's a really rotten thing to consider. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's like, oh, I'll try to sound too political. It's like the gender pay gap thing. If somebody's good enough to do a job, they should be the one doing it and they should be paid to do it. It doesn't matter about their gender. Um, I also think. I've got got two daughters. I don't want them growing up in a world where they're not treated the same as everybody else, you know? I also think the music industry is just not wanting to take risks anymore. Before the whole COVID thing, you know, festivals, it was like, let's put on some act from 20 years ago, like Foo Fighters or Muse or somebody, instead of let's take a risk and just put, you know, somebody who's on album number one or two on as their headliners. It tended to be people who've been, you know, stars for 20 years, um, you know, headlining festivals and, you know, second top from the bill. And if anybody was new, they really had to work hard to get up. I think the sort of um, even people you know, that have been around for five five years, they're they're struggling to get, you know, top bill in festivals because all the old people, well, no, I don't mean old, all the people from 20 years ago, they just automatically get headline billing because they know they'll sell the tickets. It's a shame, really. Yeah, it's a nostalgia safe bet, isn't it? Like, rather, rather than being that bit more adventurous. And I guess I've pinpointed festivals there, but I think it's it's almost kind of getting on to to line ups at club shows or at moderately big venues, it, it does seem to be a, a very, very male dominated game at, at, at times. Which I guess we we could go on about this all night, and I doubt that I would ever be able to be intelligent enough to come up with a a solution. But it, it'll really need to take someone being quite radical to to turn that on its head when. For me, it seems like it's screaming out that there's plenty of talent there, so why not use it? I definitely think there's a chance just now, just post-COVID, when everybody comes out, it could just be like the early 90s where guitar music does take over again, if it's fresh, if it's original, if people are going, you know, it could get back in the charts, it could become momentum again, but the record companies might just stamp the fire out before it's got a chance to take hold because they don't like bands, bands aren't safe, you know little artists are safe aren't they bits and pieces festival this summer watch out for it (laughs) (laughs) but i think it will need a grassroots movement like that um again almost you know i think we've lost a bit of that with the music that has been you know privatized and it's a very corporate machine now you know i think that that's going to come full circle i hope and really this grassroots movement of of unsigned bands that we're seeing now, I hope it keeps growing because I think it's so important to to have that um, with any art, whether it's music or whatever, you know. But I think that's something that definitely needs to come soon. Let's turn it back to to more positive things uh, <laughs> after me making you delve into to give controversial opinions. But, uh, <laughs> although I would agree with them all, I must be said as, as someone that originally hails from Motherwell and now I stay in Glasgow. They, Aberdeen's always felt like the outer reaches almost in terms of music gigs. Uh, it's, it's quite noticeable that in recent times, though, there's bands scheduling gigs for Aberdeen, which is, must be a, a real boost to all you guys as, as music fans, having gigs back in your doorstep and not having to, to travel towards the central belt to oh. try and take in live music. Yeah, great. There was a 
it was a two, three year period, was it, guys, when the, the exhibition centre was flattened, the music hall was getting done up, the beach ballroom was getting done up. Um, you know, so all the bands were either coming to Dundee. If they came north, they went to Dundee or Inverness as well, because, you know, the bigger venue was gone and the sort of smaller menu was gone. So, yeah, this year coming up, got a lot of bands coming back to the, the, the music hall um, that I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, and even just, you know, the venues like the Beach Ballroom and the Lemon Tree. Um, they're starting to, to, to attract bands again. So, yeah, um, it's great. You know, I spent, you know, nine, ten years in Glasgow and I loved it down there. The music scene down there was amazing. Um, you know, and when I moved back up to Aberdeen, definitely going for just popping on a number three bus in the Barrowlands to having to book two days off in a hotel and a train and all that, you know, it was it's frustrating. So having it back up here in Aberdeen for the... Uh, it's great for the city as well and for, you know, the young people to go in and, and see their heroes and bounce about a bit and be teenagers and, and that sort of thing. It's so important. So, yeah, great for the city to have these venues back open and bands um, uh, coming to the city and hope they keep coming back as well. And in terms of bands coming out of Aberdeen as well, the, there's, there's a lot of talent there. And again, that's only going to increase the popularity of guitar music because there's nothing better than having your kind of hometown heroes, if you will, and, and a band that you can really get behind because you know the guitarist from school or you used to play Five Asides with the lead singer. It's, it's just there's something really, really special about being able to resonate with the people that you're watching on stage. Just, I was kind of reflecting on it. I remember um, years ago, I went to see Ian Brown play the the ACC, my solo artist, and the, the guitarist is a local Aberdonian, you know, and um, I think half the crowd were his mates. Um, and it was just great kind of seeing this local lad in Aberdeen top as well, sort of playing the, with the Soton Roses singer, you know. But, yeah, I think having that um, uh, local kind of, um, you know, people you see walking about the street or local support bands and yeah it definitely helps inspire and just bring it to life and and you know help you say that you're not just a kind of oh he does the band on the side you know there's a real a real meaning to it and um a real purpose and it brings a lot of a lot of benefit to the to the to the world and um yeah as having that on our doorstep and and chatting with it to our to our fans and our family and friends and people in the street just makes it so much easier when you can um when you can see oh this band's coming or you're supporting this band or or whatever you know it's, it's it's really important aspirationally and just for um just for the community in general i think talk a lot about live music returning as, as an outsider looking in for me I, I think there's been a bit of frustration on my part and the fact there's been a bit of a lack of clarity as to the way and of course it's very difficult to predict the the movements of the virus which is dominated their lives for the last 18 years, uh, 18 years, so it feels like 18 years, 18 months, um, but we're still not really any clearer on when venues will be able to return to any sort of, of capacity indoors. How ex- excited are you, though, about getting back to playing your music live? You mentioned bringing out a, a single last summer and, and not being able to, to take it on the road or, or take it out to the people that, that are buying it that'll be a special moment when you get the opportunity to do so. Yeah, it's something we're really looking forward to. Um, I mean, we were we were quite lucky in the sense that we only had one gig in the calendar when everything went bust last year. Um, so we didn't lose out on a massive amount compared to some people who had tours planned or several shows or big support slots. 
Um, and as as yet, we don't really have anything concrete in for when things do open up again. But because you still no idea when things are happening, well, it's not really a big rush just now to try and nail things down. But once we do get to do it, I'm pretty confident there, there's going to be that appetite for live music. And the people who like to come see us, I think pretty sure they'll all be champing it a bit to see us play when it comes to round to our turn. I think say getting to play crying on the radio in front of people when they've actually heard it now. And here's hoping there's a big sing along at the chorus or something. Um, I can't. Yeah, from, it's from, it's going to be special. It will be special. From my side, I can't wait for that moment when you're doing the sound check and the sound guy says to the drummer, you know, uh, full kit, please. That's the moment that I'm looking forward to when the drums mic'd up <laughs> and turned up and far too loud and it feels like you know Wembley Stadium or Hamden or whatever um but that's always every gig that's the moment for me that gets me excited and I think that first moment back is going to be going to be special um just on a personal note I can't I can't wait um yeah it'd be amazing as a collective just now I'm going to put you on the spot at this point of the podcast I tend to ask for three Scottish acts that we may have heard of or may not have heard of that, that you guys listen to you you enjoy and would like to, to give a wee shout out to Shambolics. Shambolics, we've been fortunate enough to support them in the past, actually, before they just got signed to Creation. Um, and uh, yeah, that was great. Local Next lads, week's guest in the podcast as well. Harvey, say hi for us. <laughs> um, Jamie Pollock, I'm a big fan of his stuff from when he was in Vida. And since he's gone solo, I think he's a great songwriter. And he's, I've, I've said to him before, he needs to tell Richard Ashcroft to move over a bit. And for a third act, I'd probably say the Capolos. I think they're doing great in Aberdeen. They're almost outgrowing it, but not quite. I hope they never do completely outgrow us. Um, but I really hope that this year and this tour they've got goes really well for them. And bringing it back to, to yourselves, where can those looking to check out your music or buy your merchandise, where, where can they find you? Can you give us a wee shout to social media sites and, and perhaps any band camp or things like that that you've got? Um, you can find us on the usual ones, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, search for Monza Express, if you can hear me over the dishwasher. <laughs> um, search for us there. We're on iTunes and Spotify, Amazon Music and all that for our three singles on Bandcamp. The only thing we've got up there is a set I did for Macmillan for a cancer awareness thing that In Your Ears Radio did a few couple of months ago. But if you buy that, all the proceeds go to Macmillan Cancer. Um, and we will eventually get around to putting more stuff up there once we've got... and. As for merchandise, we do have some t-shirts in limited sizes. Just drop us a private message. And also check out the videos on YouTube, of course. Yeah, and I, I must admit, I, as I say, I was, as I continued to search for, for what band uh, I was reminded of listening to Sunshine, I noticed that the, the viewing figures are, are very, very healthy for all three uh, the, the videos on, on YouTube. So, yeah, keep on checking them out. Guys, I would like to take this opportunity just to thank you for your time tonight. Um, your music during some some more difficult times during particularly the first lockdown 
just brought a smile to my face. Uh, mm-hmm. Continues to do so. And I wish you all the best for when you get back out on the road. I'm sure you're going to have some great times and achieve great things. Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks for having us and thanks for enjoying the tunes. Absolutely, yeah, thank you. Yeah, cheers. You've been listening to the Scottish Indie Podcast. We'll be back very soon. Until then, thank you and goodbye. Thank you.